So we're going to talk about chapter two, outdoor space. Now, you've heard a lot of my lectures previously talking about what? The outdoor what? Outdoor room. So we're talking a little bit more about outdoor space right now. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the slides uh, from the textbook, chapter two, outdoor space in your residential landscape architecture textbook. So please read the chapter. There will be a short quiz on it this coming Thursday. So outdoor space, what is space? When designers use the term space in a design context, they use it to describe any three-dimensional void or hollowness contained by the sides or edges of surrounding the elements. For example, indoor space is physically defined by floors, walls, and ceilings. Guess what else is defined by floors, ceilings, walls? The outdoor space or your outdoor room is all visualized by that. Now, give me an example of what the floor can be in an outdoor room or an outdoor space. Pavers, lawn, mulch, pea gravel, pretty much anything that we use in the landscape industry can be used as a flooring. Now, typically, if we're thinking outdoor room, yes, we're going to be thinking pavers, brick pavers, concrete pavers, slate, decking material, any of that type um, nature stuff is going to be considered a floor. What do we talk about or what do we think about when we're discussing walls for an outdoor space? Like screening, screening, what type of screening? Could be a fence, could be a structure, could be plant material, uh, picket fence. Now, I talk about what's what's my favorite pizza place downtown. You've probably heard me talk about it before. The Mellow Mushroom. They've got the outdoor seating area outside, but it's on the sidewalk because it's a large sidewalk there on Fourth Street. So, what is it that separates the customers at the Mellow Mushroom from the pedestrian traffic still walking by on the sidewalk. It's a, it's a little fence, just a little fence, but it's enough to give you that separation and it keeps pedestrian traffic from people sitting outside eating. Now, I doubtfully anybody's gonna be there eating today outside but we were crazy enough to go outside this morning and look at plant samples, right? 17 degree weather. So what would we think about as used as the ceiling in an outdoor space? The sky. Most people forget about the sky. Your sky can be your ceiling and that's actually a pretty cool thing. If you feel enclosed in an outdoor space and you're able to look up and see as of, you know, was it the night before last, the, the red moon, but to look up and see the stars or to be downtown and look up and still see the skyline of, of uh, the downtown area. What else can we use as a ceiling in an outdoor space? Trees, the canopy of a tree. What did you say, Ms. Plemons? Tree, oh, okay. What else? Pergola, arbor, uh, any type structure that, that kind of just hovers over us. And it doesn't have to be a solid roof. It could just be open 
open wood slats, anything that gives us that sense of enclosure and the sense of the ceiling. So the successful space needs what? We need our sufficient space, we need planes of enclosure, and we need the spatial character. Now look at the pictures there. We got the first one, we've got sufficient space. You see, uh, you know, the outdoor eating area, drone. And then we have planes of enclosure. What are our planes of enclosure there? Looks like we've got a wall, looks like we've got a uh, pergola over us, some type of wood structure. And then look at the spatial character the wooding, the, the plant material, the wood siding that's, that's along with that pergola. So it's all defined in that uh, spatial character. Now, outdoor space is very similar to the indoor space. How is that? Well, the three, the three types, right, that we just talked about. We've got the flooring, we've got the sides, and we've got the ceiling. Look at these two pictures. What is similar in those pictures? Same concept. Same concept. And a lot of that has to do, you start thinking about doing outdoor kitchens for people, a lot of that is going to be very, very similar to your indoor kitchen. Now, you have, you have open area where the gentleman's standing in the exterior space, and then you have some enclosure space you see the person standing underneath the pergola as you can see right here so you've got own little spaces in here as well just like you do you have privacy spaces what what's kind of a public space in in your house the living room the kitchen where you're hanging out where are some privacy areas bedrooms bathrooms of that nature. So you got it inside and outside with both of these. Now, a space defined by all three planes of spatial enclosure. Tell me what they are in this picture. You got the patio, you got the, you got the stonework uh, for the flooring. What do we have for the ceiling? Two things in here for the ceiling. You can see the sky. The umbrella, three for the umbrella, exactly right. And the pergola. Three different ways to enclose this space. And what are we using for the for the walls? Trees, Trees plant material, luscious green, pillars, columns. Even those columns give a sense of enclosure. Now, not sure if I'm a fan of the blue. What about y'all? Do you like it? True, true. And it kind of accents what? Inside the, the hot tub. The water. Yeah. Thanks, Jimmy, for sending this picture in. It's your backyard, right? I love that Yeah. Um, but, you know, even outdoor seating area, privacy area to read, and then, you know, open place, kind of everybody to get in the hot tub. Now, what's going on here? Multiple levels of flooring here, right? Closer from the 
Closure from the fence, the trees. Looks like we got open sky. But what are we doing right here? What are we blending? In the patio, the pavement area, the pedestrian traffic. And that's one way to kind of blend everything together instead of having those harsh, crisp lines. Here we have vertical planes. We got the trees, we got the vegetation back here. It looks like maybe some Leland Cypress back here. It's hard to tell right there. We've got the enclosure of the boxwoods around the pool. But what we're doing is we're providing spatial enclosure. And it can be something as simple as, as you even mentioned, a chain link fence. That gives you that sense of feeling. Not everybody wants to look at that little chain rope fence around a eating area, but uh, if you feel enclosed, you're, you're, you're doing right by your customers. You're giving them that sense of enclosure. A space may have varying degrees of enclosure. Looking at it from all different sides. You may walk out onto the patio and look out and you see all three sides of the fence. You walk out to the backside and you look towards the house. You may not have that sense of enclosure because you're overlooking a one-story house. But you step out onto the patio and you look towards the back of the house and you may have tree coverage there. So you feel that scent, more sense of a ceiling uh, enclosure. But here, looking, both, looking two ways that there is no enclosure. Here, enclosure all the way around. Here, open all the way around. What's your favorite type? That one? What'd you say, Mike? Full enclosure? Oh, you like the open. I like the full, but I do like the open too. Each gives you a great opportunity to do one heck of a landscape design for someone. I actually like these little areas, especially if you're just trying to get away and you need a little privacy because houses are on top of each other now. You know, the postage lots, you know, postage stamp lots. People need that sense of privacy when they go outside. Maybe not the entire backyard. How many neighborhoods have we gone through and you see every backyard is fenced in? You don't necessarily need that. But these little courtyards and your first design project is going to be the courtyard project. A little 10 by 30 area that we're going to design. What do you mean like 10 by 30? Like just 10? 10 feet by 30 feet. Oh, okay. Vertical planes in frame or they can screen the views. Here, the gentleman is looking way out. We still have some type of screening here, but what is it doing? What is this doing for our clients? giving them a view, but what do you call that? It's framing it. It's bringing your eyes to the view. These taller trees, you've got the conifers here, you've got deciduous trees, but you've got this open area, and these trees will pull your eyes to look out to this magnificent view. Here, we're screening it. fence, the shrubs, trash cans that look like it's there. 
But if you're over here and you're looking, everything is screened. So that's what we try to do. We try to frame it or we try to screen it. Overhead planes affect the amount of natural light entering a space. We want as much natural light as possible. So we have the open sky. We have a semi-open natural overhead tree canopy. We have a semi-structural overhead with the trellis. And then we have a solid structure with the roof. Four different ways when it comes to natural lighting here. Open all the way, semi-open, semi-open structural, and then solid structural. You're still getting natural light through here, but it's not direct overhead. So where might you see something like this at? We all go on vacations, right? Maybe, well, y'all, when's the last time you've been to the, to the beach? And you walk outside your hotel room and you go down to the pool and they've all got like this little gazebo that you can go and purchase, you know, soft drinks or your other favorite beverage. <laughs> but what it does is allow you to um, get out of the sun with the gazebo. You've got an area that's got partial shade. You got my dad that would be hanging out underneath the tree and you got the kids that'd be out here playing in the pool, right? Overhead planes can create attractive shadow patterns. Now, we've talked about that in site inventory and analysis, that shadows can be very, very cool features of the landscape. Look at the crepe myrtle, look at the uh, Japanese maple and the shadow patterns that they cast onto the ground. What do we have here? We have the, we have the pergola or the uh, trellis casting down those beams of wood shadows, which creates a unique pattern uh, inside that patio. Varying heights of overhead planes create different feelings of enclosure. You got the fence, you got the pergola here, and then you've got the tall tree. Now, how many of you ever drive through Buena Vista? And just looking around, I like driving around looking at the different trees, especially in that neighborhood. One of the more popular trees in certain areas of that neighborhood is the willow oak. What do we need to do with willow oaks continuously? Think back to your plant materials class. What happens to the willow oak branches? You do what? You pick a lot of them up, yeah. But what do the, what do they do? They like to they like to drag the ground. They like to to get kind of lazy arms and start you know, falling by, they start drooping. And so every so often you gotta go up and kind of limb them up. And then when the branches get a little stronger, they're able to hold themselves up. But there's, in Buena Vista, being the older neighborhood, there's a lot of these trees that are a lot older and that they've hired arborists to come in and actually go in and thin them out, not, not cut them back, not butcher them, or not do the pollarding to them, but they actually go in and thin them out and they create this high, high canopy of willow oaks which is awesome. It is still allows natural light to filter through, but it casts shade onto the houses, but it gives you that sense of enclosure way up. It feels like you're in like a large building with very high, high ceilings 
when you drive into someone's driveway or walk up their sidewalk and they've got these willow oaks that have been thinned out and, and let, um, you know, grow to their, their, their full height. Because what do so many people do to willow oaks? It's probably, besides the crepe myrtle, it's one of the most popular ones to cut back. People do that all the time. My road, Seward Road, everybody on that road has butchered their willow oaks except me. I only have one in my yard. Planted it a little too close to the house, I did, and I'm paying for that mistake now, but it gives me a lot of shade coming in from my kitchen window because I just leave, you know, leaf on the roofs, oh, leaves on the roof. That's just, not too bad. If you've got to clean it up and I don't do it. Like if you don't have to I'm not getting on the roof, guys. I'm scared of heights. I'll jump out of an airplane with a parachute on my back, but I will not get on the roof. I will lock up on a roof. Lock up. Don't you work if you get on a roof or something? Do what? Like I said, my workers do, not me. Um, an outdoor space may, may be almost completely enclosed and isolated from its surroundings. What do y'all think about this picture? Yay or nay? Huh? Love it? It does get a lot of sunlight, don't it? But it's it's enclosed. Nobody can see you. You're surrounded by plant material. There's very little hardscapes other than the stepping stones over to the little area of the the rocking chair. But that's a place to get lost in nature, right? Yeah. Take that book out there, the newspaper, read, and just enjoy the morning or the afternoon. Not a place for you, right? No. Now here, an outdoor space may be open and allow views to the surrounding landscape. <coughs> exactly. Why would you not want to enclose this area? The view. The view. What's the view of? You can see that lake and see those trees. Yep. So never, never block a view to a lake or a mountain range or, or anything that, that, is, that is significant view for your client. Plus, what, what could that do to the pool if we did create some wall structures around it? Shade. And you don't want shade around your pool. You want to have as much sunlight around the pool as possible. Now, areas away from the pool, yeah, because you get out of the pool, you may want to go sit in the shade. But you want, you want the sunlight on the pool as much as possible. Very nice place. I think it's a little barren. A little barren? I mean, a nice tall tree or a couple of tall trees, maybe two to like under the tree. Yeah. Kind of like maybe there. I agree with you that. But, but if you did the trees here, certain times of the day, you're going to cast shadows on the pool. Yeah, here's a lot of turf grass. 
There could possibly be more, more natural areas. And what are, some, what are some plant materials we could use there if we didn't want any like shade? The what? Like some beach stuff, more likely. Well, I mean, you could go dogwoods, you could go some cherry trees, things of that nature. Create natural areas. But what's it all based on? What are we doing to this yard that we're not supposed to do? Making it the way we want it. We need to find out what the client wants, and this may be exactly what they wanted. Not every man knows plant materials like you guys do. So you're automatically thinking more plants, more plants. Unlike indoor spaces, outdoor spaces are more open and less defined. Well, this area is kind of defined. What's some, it's pretty well enclosed. Not very well. What's some good what's some good attributes about this? Yeah, well, think about it. What does a deciduous tree do for an outdoor space? Think about the times of year that we're going to be sitting outside. Or what does the deciduous tree give us during the summertime? Well, it's going to stay home, right? Gives us what? Yeah. What, Mr. Myers? Do what? Two of you talking at the same time. I can't. I said Mr. Myers. Sorry. Gives you the shadow. Well, what else does it give you in the wintertime? Gives you more light. What does that light do in the wintertime? On that patio, you're sitting on this patio, warms it up. What else does it warm up? The house. So it warms the house, warms the patio, gives you shade in the summertime. And being a deciduous tree versus an evergreen or a conifer, what, what, what are you allowing to happen through the area? Laura, think about it. What's, what's usually happening in the summertime? You got a breeze, and if you've got that tree, never, or not an evergreen, but you've got that deciduous tree uplifted, you've got that breeze coming through. It'll kind of suck in some air underneath the canopy to the patio area. So you got shade, and you got a draw for some, for some air movement because nothing, nothing's worse than sitting on a hot patio with no air movement. Zones of entry. This is some cool stuff. Cool stuff here. What are our zones of entry to the property? Think about it before you speak. I want somebody other than Mr. Kinsella. What are our zones of entry? What's the first place? Start thinking about it when we when we started designing properties. What what kind of areas did we have for the home or the property, the site? You had public. What else? Public, private. private. What else? Hmm. Well, when we're when we're designing, we got public, private, and what else? Where do we put our trash cans and dog runs and stuff of that nature? Utility areas. So the three areas of that. Now we're talking about what? 
Zones of entry. We have public. What is the public zone of entry? Street. Who said street? You both did. The public zone is the street. Just think about it. All the cars going by, very, very public. We have semi-public. What is that? Your driveway. I guess we could call it semi-public because how many, how many times do you see people pull in your driveway just to turn around? It irritates me too. It irritates me too. They just pull in, back out, and go the other way. But that is your semi-public. Then you have open space, which is just your turf, your landscape. And then you have the transitional zone. What are we looking at for transitional zone? Your walkways. And then you have your semi-private zone. What is that? Usually it's designed way too what? Small. So it could be your foyer, your entry foyer, your porch. It needs to be kind of a covered area so people can walk up, ring the doorbell, they have a place in the drive, it's pouring down rain, ring the doorbell, wait for you to come let them in. But it's often designed way too small, without a cover, more than two people can't stand on it. You know, you got a group of you know, your family coming over, uh, two people's having to stand on the sidewalk, a couple people on the, on the, on the stoop or the entryway. Make it bigger, make it more comfortable, more inviting. Now, vertical planes are used along the front of the property to provide a sense of enclosure and separation from the street. Vertical planes. Now, what does it look like going on here? So we've got our, we've got our public zone, which is the street again, street again and we're using these vertical planes. So we're probably using something like Nellie Stevens, um, possibly Leland Cypress here, guys, but we got some type of evergreen um, blocking us out from that public side, using those vertical planes. Now, we talked about, and we haven't drawn a section yet, but here we're looking at a plan view, which you guys are already experts in drawing. But look up top, you have the street section. You have the front yard, um, and that's what we're actually looking um, as a section view. Now, that section view, guys, is more than likely a line cut through right here. And you just basically lift it up and draw it two-dimensional. These sketches that we're putting on our sketchbook, that's how we're going to actually render and show what these plant material looks like. Some of you guys are taking pictures, putting it on your social media. That makes me proud. Take pictures of the stuff that you're drawing. Post it. Let everybody see it. I've seen somebody just roll their eyes big time at me. <laughs> but be proud of your artwork, guys. It's looking good. Tall plants and fences should not be placed in locations that inhibit the driver's view of the street. How many times does that happen? Over and over and over again. Too much plant material at the end of the driveway obstructs the driver's view. They can't see oncoming traffic. They pull out or worse, they back out and they get plowed into. 
Let that be low growing. Let it be annuals. Let it be some color. Let that be a splash of color at the end of the driveway. If you're wanting it landscaped, have some color there. People are able to pull out and actually see oncoming traffic. It looks good too that way as well. Yeah. Plants, walls, and so on located too close to the driveway. Again, opening of car doors and pedestrian traffic. You know, this gentleman right here steps out of the car. He's, what if that was a Rotunda Holly or Carissa Holly? You don't scratch his legs up. You can see it up here in plan view. You can't open the door right there without hitting the plant material. Shouldn't put anything. Extend the driveway. It should be, but nobody ever uses it. I don't know what the actual minimum is. I know, I'm trying to think what a parking space is. And I think that's 9 by 11. I'd have to go back and look. No, 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 no. Um, can't get in. I, I used to know that. I've drove, oh, I've drew so many parking lots. I can't, I can't, I should know that off the top of my head. Um, But this is your typical, I mean, there's, and look at this, they're saying that this is a two-car garage. I've never seen, if I'm going to have a two-car garage, I'm going to have two doors. I'm not going to have one single door, you know, especially I like, you know, yeah, if, if both couple drives a Civic or something, yes, they could probably get it in there, but, you know, somebody's probably going to have a truck, and that just makes it impossible. But... It has to be what? It would have to be a really wide to do yeah. But builders are going to use less concrete than they should. They're, they're, going to, they're, going to, they're going to get a little skimpy when it comes to pouring concrete. So they're going to do the three-foot sidewalks, and they're going to do the little skinny driveways. And what's going on here? Now, as a, as, as a draftsman, what have we done? With the same picture, but we've done a little bit of what? To the concrete. James, give everybody else a chance. Adam, go ahead. So grading it back to scale, like this amount, like a um, like how wide the space is, like if the squares were like if like each square is like three feet across, you would have enough of a square plate to actually know how what can actually fit into that segment. Because see right there with those um the four wide, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you were to have two cars, they wouldn't be able to go in. You would only be able to fit one car. You go through the two in the middle. Yeah. Well, this, this is a single car garage. Okay. Yeah. But as a draftsman, looking at both driveways, it's the exact same picture except what? What have we done to the driveway? We put the lines in it. But what does it, what does it take away from that driveway? It takes away a good thing. That length. Which one looks bigger? Which driveway looks bigger? Or more dominant? You know, we need the bigger driveways. I'm a proponent of that. But as a draftsman, which one, which driveway looks bigger? Or less, or 
which one looks more dominant? You know, when you show this to a client, what's going to jump out at them? One of the top one. Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. The top picture, the driveway is so dominant in that picture. Down below, it's the exact same size, exact same width, length, depth, everything. But adding, adding those scores, scoring the concrete, cutting it up into sections, makes it a less prominent feature. Maybe they can't afford to have a brick paver driveway. Maybe they can't afford the stamped concrete, but cutting the scores in it like this helps break up that just big slab of white grayish concrete. So people do that? I don't see the dominoes. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it does, you know, help with the cracking. That's why we do it. But, you know, my brother, they, they poured his patio and they scored diagonal lines in it to give it that uniqueness. I'll take a picture of that and, and show you guys. But, you know, instead of just having a, a, just a gray slab of concrete with the minimum scoring to prevent cracks, they did diagonals. Uh, walks on both sides of the driveway provides easier access to the entry walk. Remember we talked about that? Entry for you right there. But look, we got a larger sidewalk here. What this does is extend that driveway. And if you had to, you could park two cars side by side. But what it's allowing you to do is use the entire concrete, step out onto the sidewalk, walk up, and come into the foyer. And that is something that we can add to existing concrete. Your customer may complain about driveways too small. Nothing wrong with adding concrete pavers, brick pavers beside of it to accent it. It's something we can do as landscape contractors. You know, you don't necessarily have to hire a, a concrete. You know, most landscape contractors do concrete work. But again, try to eliminate some of that and do some pavers beside it. This gives you a chance to get grandma out of the car and help her into the house. Expanded entry walker landing provides a more welcoming approach. Can you guys see that this is the area to walk in to the house? There's nothing boring about that whatsoever, is it? Do we ever think about doing that? Everybody thinks about doing what? 90 degree corners yeah. on sidewalks. Now, we're not having a meandering line, which is good to have, but we've got such a small space here. That's just a triangle full of concrete with a little cutout for plant material. Perfect opportunity to give uh, an easier way to get into the house, more aesthetic aesthetically pleasing way. And it doesn't cost that much more. They're probably using the same amount of concrete there as if they'd have did the 90 degree turns in to the house because they've got that cut out for plant material. Yeah, I mean, 
that's just the way they're doing the mulch. But I can see, yeah, why you say that. They probably should have chose something else. The landing should be located where a car would normally be parked in the driveway. Open the door, get grandma out, help her into the house. A wide landing area. Avoid planting, uh, replacing landing steps too close to the edge of the driveway. What's happening here? The door's going to hit the second step, but you're going to step out and you're going to trip. You're not having room to catch, to catch your step and actually take that first step. Plantings, a, a light, an ornamental tree, and so on can accent the location of the landing, like what we got going on here. Again, different type, you know, different widths and lengths of the same paving material. Something as simple as doing run and bond this way and then doing run and bond that way and then bringing run and bond that way. Changing up your brick pattern. So hopefully you guys are seeing what different ideas that you can do, especially for this courtyard design that we're getting ready to do. Meandering walk, yes, everybody loves that. Sometimes we may not have the space to do that. Again, that's a three-foot walk, probably needs to be a little bit wider, but very, very, very pretty uh, entrance into the home. Low walls, fences, and plant materials can help direct movement toward the front door. Again, they're funneling people to get to your front door. And you have a very visible front door, so you have no excuses for, for finding, finding out how to get into this home. Right here, they're saying four, six, or more for the minimum width of the sidewalk. Bump it up to five or six if the budget allows for it. Avoid the entry walks that are too long and indirect. Now look at this. Car pulls up here, you get out on this side or on this side, then you gotta walk around. You walk this way, back up, and then back around. You don't wanna do that. You wanna make it a clean, direct way to get in there. So that's a little confusing. Provide adequate space for entry in relationship to the swing of the door. Again, doors opening this way, you gotta have space for people to stand. If that's a tiny little area to step onto and the door opens that way, mm-mm. Same thing with an ins inside. Sometimes bathroom doors need to open to the hall versus opening into the bathroom, depending on the size of the bathroom. This is undesirable, all right? They've got a left-handed swing door here. They should have had a right-hand swing so that it opens this way. And then they've got all this room to stand. But if you walk up, ring the doorbell, you have to step away and people behind you, you're gonna be kind of pushed so you can open the door. A change in the pavement material emphasizes the entry foyer. So we've got concrete and then we've got some slate. Just adds a little bit of decoration and lets people know, hey, 
I'm going to go into the front door right here. A tall element or ornamental tree provides accent, screens the view, and directs the movement. That ornamental tree right there. Give me some good prime examples of ornamental trees we could use there. Redbud, Red yeah. Forest pansy, yes. Dogwood. Dogwood. Jap maple. Even crepe myrtle. And what can we do with that ornamental tree? What can we do for safety and security? No. All right. What's one thing? What's one aspect of security for a home? Yeah, close. What about lighting? You want your outdoor lit, right? You want to be able to look out the window and see what's going on outside without maybe a floodlight. What if you did some up lights on that ornamental tree? Or some down lighting. It gives light outside. In small front yards, usable space and plantings may be used instead of the lawn. We got a fountain, we got some plantings there, the driveway's right here, so we're coming in through here. We've got our seating area. Remember, it's always good to have a seating area where we can walk in. There's a change of pavement right there, and we walk into the front door. Here we have the front door opening to the inside of the home, which is, which is better. The outdoor living and entertaining space should have approximately equal plan proportions. Roughly the same square footage. They like the square better, right? Wonder why. Why is this one desirable and that one not? I guess it's so that the rain will get into like what does that say? Approximately same width, same depth. That's longer, not as wide. Yeah. Exactly. You couldn't get around it. Circulation should pass along the edges of living and entertaining. Not cool, right? You'd have to walk around it. Here you can walk through the tables on the onto the side. Indoor and outdoor spaces are visually integrated by making the base plane the same elevation in both spaces. Trees about the same height as a house. There he is helping grandma again. But I still like these getting tall.
And that wraps it up because that's where we started. Any questions on chapter 2? Y'all are awful quiet except James. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and take a 10-minute break. Okay?